Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. And this week, we have a great heavyweight main event ahead of us between Alexander Volkov and Cyril Gahn. Really, really high stakes in the heavyweight division. We don't know what's happening with John Jones. And hey, the winner of this fight could end up being next in line. I think these are the next two guys that have the resumes necessary for challenging for the title. Of course, there's a great story between uh, Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gahn having both been training partners. Fernand Lopez still with Cyril Gahn. And then you've also got Alexander Volkov, who's never, never fought against uh, Francis Ngannou. A unique challenge. So I think that if the UFC are unable to work with Richard Schaefer and John Jones and, and make that the next big heavyweight fight after the upcoming bout between Francis Ngannou and Derek Luce, which Ariel Hawani uh, reported earlier today, is likely going to be in September rather than August, which is when they were originally targeting that fight to be. Maybe if there's a quick turnaround, you could see the winner of this fight fight for the title next, be it in December, January, something along those lines. So really looking forward to this main event. Uh, I loved what I saw from Cyril Gahn in his last fight against Rosenstrike, and of course, what we saw from Volkov against Alistair Overeem in what is now Overeem's final UFC bout. A lot to like from uh, both of those guys. So we'll be speaking with them. Alexander has a translator with him, Ivan, his manager, or Ivan, I guess, rather. Ivan would be a, probably more of a French name if, if that, that was the manager of Cyril Gahn, but I digress. Ivan will join Alexander Volkov and provide the answers uh, for that particular interview. So that's coming up. As well as an interview with Tanner Bozer, who is on a three-week turnaround now, taking on Ovin St. Preux, a short-notice assignment. He was in quarantine in Edmonton. They called. He wants to get the bad taste out of his mouth from that uh, pretty bad decision loss to Ilir Latifi, one that I believe he should have won. And uh, he will join us. Right now, only one Canadian ranked in the UFC, and that's... Misha Sirkinov in the light heavyweight division. No Canadian-born fighters ranked in the UFC right now. So Tanner Bozer hoping to get back into the heavyweight rankings. Although his opponent, Ovin St. Preux, is unranked. So still a, a bit of a climb for Tanner Bozer to get back to where he was at the beginning of this year. And we'll also be joined by one of the winners of this past weekend. Somebody who didn't get a bonus but probably should have gotten one. The uh, artist formerly known as Rick Glenn. Now Ricky Glenn moving up a division to lightweight. Getting a win within the first minute of his fight against uh, Joaquin Silva, Neto BJJ. A great win for Rick Glenn, and he'll join us on the show. So thanks to our four guests this week. Uh, a bit of a shortened show because, uh, of course, the, the two main event principles, their English is not their first language, so uh, the interviews are a little bit shorter than usual. And, uh, of course, for the, uh, the sake of, uh, of brevity, we have uh, edited the uh, Russian language out of the interview, so you'll just be getting the English translations back as the response. So that, that interview will be uh, particularly short. And uh, I appreciate you tuning in for it. Next week, a little bit of housekeeping. We will not have a, an interview edition of the show. Uh, I have not had a, a full week off for this entire year. And uh, with there being no UFC, no Bellator, no PFL next week, I thought next week would be a good time to recharge the batteries. So I'm going to go up north to the lake and uh, enjoy some time with the family. As we all should at this time of year, right? Especially if you're uh, listening to this in Canada. We need, we, need to, we need to get out into nature and enjoy uh, for much of the year, we are snowed in, so let's let's enjoy the uh, the lake, enjoy the weather. We'll be doing that next week, uh, so there will not be a, a TSN MMA show, at least not an interview edition. I'm, I'm still on the fence about whether myself and Joe will be doing a show. We will find out, but uh, let's get to our interviews. We'll start off with Alexander Volkov, 
who is going to be taking on Cyril Ghosn in the main event. We will then hear from the challenger, Cyril Ghosn, and that will be followed by both Tanner Bozer and Rick Glenn. Thanks for tuning in this week to the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. Here's Alexander Volkov. I'm now joined by Alexander Volkov, who's in the main event this weekend against Cyril Ghosn. He's joined by his manager, Ivan, who will be translating for us. Uh, thank you both for doing this. I appreciate it. And uh, Cyril Ghosn, very, very difficult opponent. I know you fought taller opponents in the, the past. What kind of differences do you see in Cyril versus your previous opponents? Uh, basically, I really think that his main advantage is that he is young and his stand-up is very interesting and unorthodox. So basically, I think his uh, main powers will be his striking and his age. I don't think he's that much older or that much younger than you are. Right? He, he's just fairly new to the sport. Is that what you mean by his age? Uh, I don't mean it's age-wise. I know that he is not like very younger than me. I mean sport-wise. In this sport, he is very, very young. Actually, yes. Uh, his bright side and his strong side is ability to evolve to see new things in the new sport. He still have that hunger. He doesn't fed up with the sport with some of my previous opponents, obviously. So it will be very interesting and creative way for him to show me new skills, some new tricks and stuff. That's what makes our fight that interesting for me too. Now I learned a little bit about you, uh, Alex, from watching your interview with RT. That when you were younger, you had a, a bad asthma, bad case of asthma, and you were unable to really compete in a lot of sports, but you, you did karate and you, you wanted to compete uh, in that. Uh, how, how have you managed having uh, asthma over the years? Has it affected your career at all? Uh, actually, I always said that I'm not very skillful fighter, but I love to fight. So when I was younger, uh, I was approaching this step by step. With one small step at a time, I was defeating my disease and participating in more tournaments, more trainings, and slowly and slowly, step by step, as I usually do with all my uh, obstacles in my life, I defeated it. It's just uh, consistency and your attitude. So you don't have any more uh, symptoms of asthma later in life because you were able to uh, you know, really push yourself while you were young? Uh, actually, as soon as I become professional athlete, uh, asthma didn't came back. So while I'm training, I'm all okay. But uh, the fact is that you can't uh, cure this disease. It's always with you. So my doctors tell me when I will finish my career, I will probably have it back. Because right now, my body is always in the mode of permanent training. So it doesn't have time to be ill. Oh, because you're always testing your lung capacity. You're able to... Basically, I you know put it at bay. I guess have the the asthma at bay. And yeah, then, exactly. Yeah, and then as you get older, it'll come back because you're not going to be training full time into fifties, sixties kind of thing. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is the heavyweight picture for the the title. I know obviously your aspirations are to be the champion of the heavyweight division one day. Do you feel like things are going a little bit slowly in that division right now? It looks like Francis Ngannou versus. Derek Lewis, according to reports, is going to happen now in September rather than August. We don't know what's going to happen with John Jones, but a win over Cyril this weekend, I imagine, would make you probably the, the top contender, uh, I guess maybe behind John Jones, depending on what happens with John Jones. Could a title shot be your next stop? Actually, I really love what's happening right now in the division. It's very interesting. Just so many young fighters, you know, new big names, 
Uh, and I really think that I will, if I will provide you with a great show this weekend, I will win. I will definitely have the title show. You're one of the very few people that have not yet fought Francis Ngannou. He's beaten a lot of the different people in, in the uh, division, including uh, he has fought, I guess, Derek Lewis previously lost that fight. But uh, do you think that that's an advantage, that he hasn't been in there with you before? Uh, actually, I really think that it would be much better to find Ngannou in earlier stages of his career, as he now much skiller fighter and much more dangerous. But frankly, I love the idea fighting him as it's a great challenge and you know i'm for the challenges in this sport i'm not as a prize fighter as like most of the guys i'm here for the achievements and the belt and defeating guys like him is like really inspiring me all right alex and ivan uh, spasiba brat appreciate you guys doing this with me and uh, best of luck this weekend against cyril gun thank you very much sir thank you He is in the main event this weekend against Alexander Volkov, one of the best heavyweights in the world. He's Cyril Gan, And uh, Alexander Volkov, a very tall opponent, I think the tallest you've fought so far. How does that change your approach for this in terms of uh, distance control and what you're going to be able to do versus uh, an opponent like that? Um, I'm confident. I'm confident. And, 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 and I like to say, when we're going to start the fight, uh, my fight at two is going to manage that. And uh, and uh, of course my camp was uh, was uh, was like that because uh, I had some some guys taller than me like Volkov. This is how me. You fought Dante Mays as well. Dante's uh, about an inch shorter than Volkov, but longer reach. Was that a good experience for you in comparison to what Volkov is going to bring? Uh, I think he's taller than 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 uh, um, um, Volkov is taller than Mayes, uh, so I think he's going to be different. Uh, but yes, when you look the fight against uh, against uh, Mayes, it was not a problem. Uh, I, I go front inside, and uh, it was not a problem. Now, watching your last fight with Rosenstrike, I know a lot of people were unhappy with it. I thought it was a fantastic fight. I thought that your your distance control was perfect uh, against Rosenstrike, and it's the kind of way that you have to defeat a guy like that. Rosenstrike's got great power. We've seen it all the way up to 459 in the fifth round against Overeem. You have to you have to be very careful with a guy like that. Were you happy with your performance when you went back and watched it from that perspective? Yes, of course. I, I was. I was uh, agree with uh, with my performance one hundred percent, and I can understand the feeling of the people uh, like to say, uh, "Yes, he don't finish the fight. Uh, Bongama don't finish the fight." But every time I try to finish the fight, if you look my former fight, I don't talk a lot about that. But uh, look my fight, my former fight. I finish the fight, and we know with with uh, Jairzinho, it's 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 really dangerous to go inside when he touch when he touch you just one time. We know uh, we know about that. <laughs> you go down. Well, That's having what. watched having watched your fights back in TKO, I've been following your career. I think people just didn't realize what to expect. I don't know. Maybe they hadn't seen your fights prior, but you're a, a real tactician and you're very careful with the way that you you manage uh, your striking and and the way that you're able to get out of the way of your opponents is really masterful. That that's correct. Well, that's correct because every time uh, when I finish the fight, I got I got nothing on my face. Every fight, that's why I, I, I like to say yes, I'm this kind of guy. Hey, you also said in an interview that people that know martial arts like a fight like that, and and I agree with that. I think that when you when you watch that, what you were doing was just it was so excellent. You weren't getting touched at all. You were getting in and out. You were controlling the distance the entire fight. That's why I'm interested to watch this fight against Volkov because it's kind of a different uh, puzzle for you to solve. 
Uh, yes, uh, I don't know really if it's going to be different because we know Volkov, yes, is tall and taller than me, heavier, but uh, I think his footwork is not like me. So I think it, 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 it's possible, it's still possible to do that. When you go inside, you go hard, it's possible. It's possible. What, what different challenges do you think he brings to the table that you, that you probably haven't seen before? Uh, he's a very well-rounded fighter. He's gotten better and better over the years. What do you think he brings to the table that maybe you haven't faced in a, in a fight yet? Yes, I think, I think it's a big challenge for me because, like you say, it's well-rounded. He have a, and and he, when you look at his former fight, he challenged over him on striking. He challenged uh, Verdum on the grand game. Uh, Curtis on the, on the wrestling. So, yes, it's really well-rounded. So, this is the challenge. This is a challenge. I must go like... Uh, uh, I'm going to manage. I must to manage. And this is a big challenge. And I like that. <laughs> when we watch you in the cage, we, we watch you do what you're absolutely best at, which I believe is your, your stand-up, your technical striking, and your defense. But what, what have we not seen from you yet that... You, you don't need to use, but if it comes down to it, you have that strength and you're, you're able to show something that maybe we haven't seen before. Uh, yes, I think, uh, I don't know. My, I don't know me too. I don't know exactly uh, what you're going you're gonna to see. And, uh, and uh, me too. I think I'm, I'm really young in my career. And I think uh, I, I, I got a lot of uh, things to do for grow up. And, uh, and uh, I hope. With this fight, uh, uh, you're going to see a new version of myself because uh, it's a big challenge. So he's going to put me to make a new version of myself, and I hope. Yeah, we, I mentioned the Dantel Maze fight before. You had that heel hook, and people were like, where did that come from? So I imagine you have a bag of tricks. We just haven't seen those tricks yet. <laughs> yes, that's true. I got a lot of things. Of course, uh, we learn on it, and uh, we are confident and comfortable with my grand game. And if, because people like to to ask me if uh, I want to finish the fight, of course, I want to finish the fight. Maybe in the striking, uh, or maybe in the grand game. Also, of course. How do you see the heavyweight division right now? A report came out today that the, the bout between Nganu and Derek Lewis is getting pushed back a little bit, probably to September. We don't know when John Jones is going to start competing in the division. There's yourself, Volkov. You've got Curtis Blades taking on Rosenstrike. I imagine that yourself and Volkov are, 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 I guess, a step ahead of Blades and Rosenstrike at this point in time. But when do you realistically see yourself getting a title shot? Uh, and do you think how many more times do you think you're going to need to fight after this one before that happens? Uh, I think yes. I think it looked like a, a semi-final. Final. I think uh, the winner of this fight gonna go on the headline, maybe for the title. Yes, yes. So that's why this fight uh, seems like something per, uh, special. You're making the money sign. Is that? Do you have a new contract or something with the UFC? I, uh, what, oh, what's no, the sign? No, no, no. The feeling. This is the feeling. Oh, the feeling. Okay. In, Fran in France, it's this, not not this. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, you can do that. You can do that. When you talk about the money, yes, you can do that like that. It's not like that. <laughs> you can see where I got confused. <laughs> so the, when you said the feeling is more like, yeah, you see? Oh, I and got this, it. This is yeah. the money, and like this yeah, is, is the, the feeling. And this is the feeling, yes. Yeah, <laughs>
All right, well, you learn something new every day. Well, Cyril, I appreciate your time. Best of luck against Alexander Volkov. I uh, look forward to watching you compete once again. Uh, again, I was very blown away with your performance last time. I thought you did a fantastic job. I'm sorry you, you might not have gotten the credit you deserved there, but if, if, it, if it means anything coming from me, you're getting the credit. Uh, thanks again for doing this, and uh, hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's a quick turnaround for Tanner Bozer after a particularly disappointing loss uh, in his last time out. Disappointing because I don't think the judges got that one right. It, you know, if you look at the first round, one significant strike landed by your opponent and he was given the round. Uh, is that why you want to turn it around so quickly to get that bad taste out of your mouth? Yeah, that's why. I mean, as well as I might as well get in two fights for the price of one training camp. I'm ready. I'm not hurt. Uh, I'm still in shape. So I might as well. But yeah, I'm, I need to get that loss behind me and come off with a win just to enjoy my summer if nothing else. So tell me about your reaction when you heard the decision there. I, I mean, like I said, I, the second round clearly yours, third round clearly Latifi's, but I thought the first round was also clearly yours. You're landing strikes from distance, uh, getting more damage, which is what the, the judging criteria specifies, whereas he had two minutes of control that he did nothing with. Look, I agree with you. Everything you're saying, love to hear it. I agree with you. It, was, it is disappointing. I can't seem to ever get a decision when the fight is even within the realm of, of it being close. Unless I completely dominate somebody, I'm not going to get a decision. I don't know what, what it is. It's been like that my whole career. And, yeah, it's frustrating. And I did go back and watch the fight a few days later when I was a little more calm and stuff. And, yeah, I, I was like, just be, be unbiased. Watch round one and truly score it how you think. And I watched it, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I got robbed. I, I won. So, but I didn't win. What are you going to do? I got an L. I got a loss on my record, and I'm coming off of two losses on paper now, and I got to write the shit. Very close to getting a finish in the second round of that fight. Uh, do you regret not putting your foot on the pedal even more? I put my foot on the pedal as uh, – I put that pedal to the floor, man. Latifi's tough. Like, credit where it's due. He's very durable. He's very tough because I tried to finish him there, and Herb Dean gave him two warnings. He was probably one punch away from stopping the fight. And his corner was pleading with him and screaming at him. And then he, then he started to stand up and Herb Dean backed off a little bit. He survived that uh, fair and square, man. And I was trying to finish him. And it, it took me a minute to, to get my gas back. I had to go back to like jabs and, and, and being, being technical. I couldn't just stay on. I hit him with the elbow off the break. And I'm like, oh, crap, he's still standing up. Like I, my arms need a sec here. It took me a second to be able to go back at him. Uh, Man, he's a, he's a very tough guy. And, I mean, I broke his arm in round one in two places with a kick, and he battled through that as well. So I am, of course, I think that was a terrible decision, and, I, and I'm, the judges, I feel, robbed me of that. But I can't, I can't sit here and talk anything bad about Latifi. He's a, got a ton of heart, and he's physically extremely tough. Very, very durable guy, lots of heart. Now, you're from Edmonton, and the reason why I bring this up is that Edmonton is one of the rare jurisdictions that actually tried the half-point must system, which is something that I, I strongly believe in uh, going forward. Are you a proponent of that? Do you know what I'm talking about uh, when, I, when I talk about the half-point system? No, I'm not. Okay, so at the time, the, the commissioner was Pat Reed, who ran the Edmonton Commission, and they had a system where they would score the, the rounds with a half-point system, so 10 to 9.5, 10 to 9, 10 to 8.5. So judging your last fight, I would have said it was 10 to 9.5 for you, in the first round, or I mean, if they thought Latifi won 10 to nine and a half, second round, I would have said 10 to eight and a half for you. 
And then in the third round, I would have said maybe a 10-9 for him. Is that a system that you think is more conducive to MMA? Because a 10-point must system in boxing is used for more rounds, eight rounds, 12 rounds, whereas in MMA, you got three rounds, and not all rounds, uh, at least all 10-9 rounds, are created equal. I mean, that's the same idea, I guess, is just giving a 10-8 round for a round that's a clear domination or an almost finish. Uh, only one judge gave me a 10-8 in round two. So it's it's... I think that's how it's supposed to be now anyways not with the half points but with 10 eights being a, a clearly dominated round and 10 nine being closer rounds but and at the end of the day it ain't up to me to figure out scoring i'm just supposed to go out and, and try and win fights so apparently um apparently i gotta do more to, to get my opponents out of there so with that in mind, for this fight, I imagine the sense of urgency is a lot higher. And not having a full camp, I guess you were, all, you were just in quarantine and then you flew back. Uh, do you feel like cardio could be an issue or do you, do you feel like that's never really been an issue with you? It hasn't been an issue with me and I don't expect it to be now. I mean, I, I'll, nah, two, weeks, two weeks of quarantine, yeah, it's not ideal. And then I'm, I'm back here. But no, I can, I can push myself for three fives. I, I mean, I, I can just leave the octagon in a, in a stretcher or pass out in the back. I've done that before multiple times. I can push myself beyond like a physical limit and just have my body shut down. Nah, cardio won't be a problem because I can put myself in that place that I think a lot of people can't put themselves in. So I'm, I need, but yeah, you're right. I am going to, I do have to go for broke. Yeah. So, I mean, tell me if this is a silly question because uh, you've never been <laughs> dishonest with me. When I ask about the sense of urgency being high and looking for the finish, is that, a, is that a silly question? Because I think that the sense of urgency should probably always be high. But you mentioned selling out for a finish or going for broke. Is that, is that a thing that a fighter can go into a fight with that mentality rather than trying to win on points? Yeah, you can. I mean, nobody, nobody tries to win on points. A lot of times, you know, if you try and force the finish and things like that early, you get caught. You can't go in being wild all the time. You you got to go work your game plan and the knockout comes. It just, it comes or the submission comes if that's the kind of fighter you are. I, I don't, the sense of urgency is high and you're always trying to finish your opponent. But, you know, when you're coming off of a couple losses and, and your back's starting to be against the wall, then maybe you got to get a little reckless and try and try and seal the deal or just yeah, go out on your shield, I guess. Yeah, I guess when, when you have a, a losing streak, that, that sense of urgency becomes amplified. That's the main reason why I have a sense of urgency is the losing streak, not like the fight or something. Your opponent, Ovin St. Preux, he's a guy who's fought for an interim championship uh, down the division, mind you. But what do you know about Ovin? What do you think of him as an opponent? And how did this fight come about? Um, I, I've seen most of Ovin St. Preux's fights in UFC and, and even in strike force. So, uh, I know, I know how the guy fights and he's a really good fighter. I've watched him for years. Um, the fight came together because I got asked if I want to fight Ovin St. Preux next Saturday. And I said, yes, that's all there is to it. I was sitting there asking for a fight, say, I'm not hurt. Give me another fight. I need to, I need to write the ship. And they offered me this fight. So I took it. Okay, so, so pretty simply, <laughs> they just, you were the guy they called in this situation. Um, I don't know how much training goes into defending the Von Flu choke, but that, or the Von Pru choke, as a lot of people call it, because that's been OSP's primary weapon. But um, are you able to, uh, I guess, have you been watching videos or anything along those lines on how to defend that, that choke properly? Because it seems like a weapon that he's, you know, 
likely to use in this fight if, if it get you know it gets into that sort of position. Yeah, he's he's really really good at it. He sets it up sometimes from standing, which is pretty interesting. The the main thing is it it's kind of like once it's in, it's there's not really defending it. Just like almost any submission, once it's in, it's too late. You already messed up too long ago. So I just got to certainly not attempt a guillotine. That's the main thing. Don't put my arm around his neck. Is that what usually is the setup for it? When, when people try to go for that, uh, you know, when they defend a takedown or something along those lines, he, he, that's how he maneuvers into the position? Yeah, he, he'll, he'll get your arm kind of pinned there even against the cage sometimes from standing. And then he'll he'll drag you down into into it. It's kind of unique setup sometimes, but yeah, if you go for that guy's neck, uh, I don't know how many, I don't know how many times he's lost by choke. Latifi's the one that, are, that comes to mind, but Latifi rocked him pretty bad before he grabbed the guillotine. Uh, everybody else who tries to guillotine him, it doesn't usually end up good for them. All right, well, it's good that you have that in mind. Uh, you know, like you said, if, if it gets you, you're, it's already too late. So it's good that you know, I guess, all the steps that go into it. Although I'm sure a lot of the other people that he's trapped kind of might have seen it coming. But like you said, at, at some point, it's just too late. When you're when you're a master of something and really good at something, people can know that you're going to do that thing and they can't stop it. You're good at it. It's what you do. You know, you can watch all of anybody's tapes and know what they're going to do. And you're not going to stop it like okay you know francis and gandy is going to try and knock your head into the third row can you just stop it because you've seen all his fights probably not you know that's that's how it's how it is he's good at that he's good at, at chokes and and other things people forget he's he's a good striker as well he's a very well-rounded guy and yeah i i i haven't been submitted before in my career so you know hopefully uh hopefully i can avoid that von flu and all the other uh dangerous uh, submissions he brings to the table. All right, Tanner. Well, Canada's rooting for you. We need some more Canadians back in the rankings. So uh, best of luck to you this weekend uh, against Ovin St. Preux. Quick turnaround, and we look forward to watching you compete once again. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. He is the mixed martial artist formerly known as featherweight Rick Glenn, now known as lightweight Ricky Glenn. And uh, move up to lightweight seems like a good idea after that fast finish this past weekend. Tell me about why you decided to move up to lightweight. Yeah, it was years in the making. I should I should have moved up, uh, probably back in 2014, um, back when I won the World Series of Fighting title. I, that was a pretty rough weight cut, and I was I said, um, you know, back in the the hotel after weigh-ins, I said I I got to move up to lightweight, and everyone there and everyone around me was like, okay, awesome, yeah, good, finally, <laughs> and I. I didn't, for some reason, just being stubborn and, and thinking maybe I was too small. And but now, over, over the last couple of years, I, I let my body adjust and just kind of balance out naturally. And um, I eat clean year round, so I'm, I'm eating good, and I don't I don't get fat or anything. Really, I, I stay pretty lean even when I'm, um, you know, not in competition shape. Um, so my body's balanced out to a heavier weight, and um, you know, going down to 155 is still it's tough, but it, it's it's not as taxing as lightweight or uh, featherweight. Yeah, you, you certainly looked great in there in terms of size. You know, you are a very big featherweight, so I think you're probably more of a natural lightweight. I can't imagine you weighed that much more in the cage this past weekend as you would have at featherweight. Yeah, I weighed a little more, um, but 
I, I knew, you know, I knew going up and not having to, to cut so much weight, I was going to perform better, and it, it showed. Yeah, absolutely. It's your first win in three years, but I should preface the fact that you've almost had a three-year layoff. <laughs> so what was the deal with the layoff? Why, why were you away from the cage for so long? Yeah, so I, the layoff was due to uh, a major hip surgery. It wasn't replacement, but they, they did everything before an actual replacement on my hip. And that was a nagging injury that had was ongoing for a little while. And then I had I had another injury um, that delayed it a little bit. And then the um, I think it's a false positive COVID test, but positive COVID test um, back in December delayed it a little bit longer as well. When would you have been ready to get back in, if if not for all these I guess you know post injuries, so to speak? Was that the earliest you could have been ready? Is this past December? It was. Um, Late summer, I believe, and then I actually, I actually tore um, my MCL, so the one that they don't really do surgery on, and it can it can just kind of heal on its own. I, I I tore that in training. So with the hip surgery, do you have a lot better range of motion? I imagine that probably converts to more power in your punches. Yeah, much better range of motion. Um, not waking up every day aching, stiff. Um, yeah range of motion less less uh inflammatory stuff going on i guess so did this one feel different a lot of your wins prior to this have been by decision this was a quick knockout at a new weight class i imagine that uh it probably was a different sensation different feeling yeah it was yeah it, it had been a i think my past seven yeah seven fights went the distance so they're all decision whether i won or lost um so it was long overdue to finally get a finish again i i went i think it was five years i had a five-year stint i was um undefeated in i think it was 13 fights and i had a 90 plus percent finish rate in those in those fights so it's it's kind of odd going that that long with so many decisions so it was, it was definitely overdue so you've been somewhat nomadic in your career. You went to a Rufus board for a while, Team Alpha Male. Uh, now you're back in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. What made you decide to come home? What well, family. Um, you know, now that we have a child, we want to be closer to family. Um, we enjoy the Midwest. You know, we miss the scenery out in California and, and some of the people. Met a, met a lot of great people in Wisconsin and California. But Marston, Iowa is always our home. And I, I make a little commute to Des Moines, Iowa, our capital, and, and train. And, and there's some, some old friends and, and teammates that I reconnected with there. And we got, a good, we got a good thing going. So I imagine you've been with your wife for some time then, like if, if she moved uh, to all these different places with you. Yeah, uh, she's been a huge support. So in August will be our 13th uh, wedding anniversary. We got married pretty young, just right before she was 20. I was 19. Um, we've been together for a while and been great. That's great. Well, it's great that she's been such a good support system and now you guys have a child together. So uh, being a dad, this is your first time as a dad. You guys waited quite some time to have a, a child. So tell, tell me about how that's changed your life. Oh, it's been a huge change. Uh, I feel like I have a, a different perspective on life and I've always been pretty focused and, and motivated and, and all that. But now I, I'm just like another, uh, just like a laser focus and I got a little more to fight for now. 
I want to go back to, I mean, you've trained, you've uh, fought in Canada several times. You're on the score fighting series on two occasions and also at UFC 215 against Gavin Tucker, where I don't know if they gave you a 10-7 round at, at one point in time, but that was yep. one of those fights where you, you can have a 10-7 round because of just how dominant it was. Was that a hard fight for you to be in? Because I'm, I'm thinking that in the back of your head, you want the ref to stop it at some point in time. Yeah, I think that was the first first ever uh, 10-7 scored round. I think I had multiple 10-7s. But, um, you know, at the time, it was I guess it was kind of odd. I, I, in my my part, I should have just stepped it up a little more, put a little more on my punches or something. But I know there's a few moments where I was looking at the ref like, come on, you know, darn it. And I, bro- I broke his jaw. I think I broke his um, orbital bone. Uh, I, I know I messed his ribs up. But he was battered pretty badly and, and was out. I think he, he might have been out for almost two years. And he came back and he's kind of been up and down now, but... Yeah, at the time, I mean, he was uh, Canada's probably brightest prospect and uh, was a pretty big favorite in that fight, if I recall. And uh, yeah. that, that fight was just one-way traffic. But, uh, you know, I, I work backstage at the events and, uh, and do interviews after the fact. And I've seen a lot of stuff backstage. Seeing Gavin Tucker after that fight was not fun. Yeah, it was... It was uh, it's kind of tough seeing him it, with his wife. His wife came backstage, and I think they were putting him on a stretcher. So a lot of... You know the backstage stuff. A lot of people don't don't ever get to see or or don't quite understand the the damage that's involved with some of the fighters and on uh, on that end of the stick. Yeah, it's probably for the best that they don't see that. It's really it's very emotional back there, and uh, you you know you get to see really the swelling and things afterwards. When, you, when I'm doing the interviews, they just sometimes people look completely different. It's very uh, it's very visceral. I guess is probably the best word for it. Yeah. After so after. Saturday, um, we got done fairly early, um, Vegas time, and we were walk- we went walked around a bunch, and we we're walking around Caesar's Palace, I believe, and and uh, came across one of the heavyweight fighters, and he actually won, but that was a back and forth fight, and his he just had like a Freddy Cougar face, just all mangled up, and but <laughs> huge smile on his face, like it was no big deal. He, I mean, he won, so uh, you know he didn't have anything to be ashamed of, but. It was like, oh wow, yeah, that I, that's what we look like sometimes because he he was really beat up and just walking around like no big deal. <laughs> I'm guessing it was Carlos Felipe. That was a, a very close uh, heavyweight fight. Yep, yep. So when you want to get back in there, I mean, again, a very short night at the office for you. People don't see all the training that goes into it, which is really the hard part. But uh, yeah. how, how soon would you like to fight again? You know, if it, if it was the right right timing, I felt good. I'm I'm. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to a short notice fight, but I think I think it's looking like September would be good. There's a few things we got coming up with the fam- family stuff, a couple get-togethers, but I think September would be perfect. Are you following the PFL at all? I know you were the former World Series of Fighting featherweight champion. Oh yeah, I follow them. Does Lance Palmer make the tournament? He's got a, a really tough opponent on Thursday. He lost his first fight. I want your prediction. Yeah, he's gonna make it. I, I think he's gonna get a finish. He's probably got a chip on his shoulder. Um, I know he trains hard year-round. So He's the underdog in that I, fight. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope uh, Anthony Pettis was a former teammate um, as well, so I, I hope he can turn it around and get in there. Was Palmer a former teammate? I know you guys fought, but was he also a former teammate of yours at Alpha Male for some time? Well, um, 
I had only trained with him a couple times. He was he was already kind of on his way out um, when I came over to Alpha Male. Cool. Yeah, and then he uh, he moved out to Vegas. Um, all right. Well, nice nice catching up with you, Ricky. Uh, congratulations on a, a big win. I hope to see you in there again soon, and uh, enjoy some time with the little one. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. A huge thank you to our guests, Alexander Volkov, Cyril Gon, Tanner Bozer, and Rick Glenn. Three heavyweights with a lightweight at the end. And uh, always appreciate speaking with you, my guests, and always appreciate you for listening to the show. And hopefully, if you haven't by now, this is going to sound like a broken record. And hey, I've got a lot of records, so and a lot of broken records. So I'll just add one more to the collection by saying you can rate and review this show wherever you get it, whether it's... Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. It goes a long way. So uh, please do that. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be, we won't be back next week, actually. Next week, we will have no show. But the following week, we should have a lot of great guests. Uh, Dana White, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, just to name a few. So uh, that's a, a show that I'm really looking forward to doing. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, coming back with a, you know, a little bit of a, f- a fresh mind, batteries recharged, and uh, diving headfirst into UFC 264, a fantastic card headlined by the trilogy fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.